All right, it's the Keep to the City Yankees podcast, and Yankees baseball is back this week, opening week here. I don't know if it's going to happen on Thursday with the forecast, but uh, sometime this week the Yankees will play the Red Sox. The 2022 baseball season will begin, and uh, it's been a rough offseason from a Yankees fan perspective. You have to try really hard to talk yourself into thinking that the Yankees <laughs> did everything they could to possibly put together the best roster for 2022, uh, but... It is what it is at this point. You know, a few days away from opening day, the roster is what it's going to be, barring some wild, unforeseen trade here in the next few days that I just don't think is going to happen. Uh, and so I wanted to talk to an optimist, or at least someone who considers himself optimistic about this Yankees offseason, and that's Frank Marco of Bronx Pinstripes, who uh, has been telling me over the last couple weeks here that this Yankees team isn't necessarily as bad as I've been writing or saying it is on Keep to the City. And it's not that I think they're bad. I think they can be a good team. It's just that they didn't go over the top and do everything they told us they would do at that October 19th press conference to say that they were going to make significant changes. They were going to get legitimate options, upgrades, as Brian Cashman said. They didn't do that. Yes, the team is pretty good if everything goes their way. Shouldn't have to be relying upon everything going their way. So Frank tried to sell me on this team and this roster and how they can be what he thinks a 94-win team. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk Yankees baseball as it's opening week. Yankees baseball is back this week. Is Frank Marco of Bronx Pinstripes. Frank, it's been a while. Yeah, man, it's been a while. Yankees made a couple of moves since we last spoke. Uh, looks like their infield is completely different. Um, <laughs> including their catching situation, but I'm here to break it down with you and, and, you know, tell you to back away from the ledge a little bit. I think they might be a little bit better than last year, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a pretty bad offseason. I'm not going to lie from a, a Yankees perspective, a personal perspective, watching what the Yankees have done or the lack of what they have done. And it's not to say they won't be better, which they might be. It doesn't really seem like they're much better than, than they were last year, at least from a roster perspective. But it's more about what they could have been. They could have gone out, put together a sure thing, at least on paper, put together the best roster in the American League, could have done all this using just money, wouldn't have to use the farm system, wouldn't have to use prospects, just use money, which they make more of than every other team. They make more revenue than every other team, play in the biggest market in the sport, in the country. Just use their money, and they could have made a sure thing, at least from an on-paper roster perspective. And instead now... They need to hit a massive parlay. And for you, I know you love your MLB nightly parlays throughout the season. That's what the Yankees are doing. They don't need just health. Like, they could have made it so that all they would need is to stay healthy and they would be the best team in the American League. Now health is just like one of 50 things they need. They need a bunch of guys to stay healthy. They need a bunch of underachievers to bounce back. They need a bunch of guys who have been okay throughout their careers to be good to very good. They need a fuck ton of shit to go right now. They didn't need to put themselves in this position, and they did. Right. <clears throat> it would have been easy to just go get Carlos Correa, right? And you would have had, I mean, Fangraphs ranks him as the number one shortstop in baseball right now. The Twins got him for three years and not a lot of money. And that would have been the easy, I feel like they took the Band-Aid approach. You know, they made this extravagant trade. They traded away Gary Sanchez. They traded away Gio Urshela. They got Isaiah Conner-Falefa, who we know he's a defensive stalwart, but that's all we know about him. 85 WRC plus last year. So he's basically slightly better than Tyler Wade, I guess, um, which is horrifyingly scary. But um, 
they the Yankees have it's going to be a completely different team. I mean, they went for a little bit more durability. I think um, they went with some more defense. We'll see how it plays out in the end, but um, yeah, it's it's a mixed bag uh, off season for sure. I don't really know how to rate it at this point. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's probably the nicest way you could rate right. it is to say a mixed bag because <clears throat> to talk about that trade, they had the opportunity to get Corey Seager or Carlos Correa. What's right. a better situation, Seager and Urshela, or Correa and Urshela and Sanchez? Or now, Kiner Falefa, Donaldson, and Higashioka. It's it's not close. You take options A or B every other time other than C. Right. No, I 100% agree with you. And for whatever reason, the Yankees have kind of been afraid to go on these step on their neck moves. Uh, it's the move, you know, it's the move the Dodgers make every year, um, or every trade season, or every you know big free agent. I mean, when when Freddie Freeman said he was going to leave the Braves, you know, everyone was like, oh, okay, the Dodgers are going to go get him because it's 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 he's a luxury for them. They don't need him, but it's the best player available. So you know the Dodgers are going to go get him. The Yankees, to their credit, they went out and got the best pitcher available two offseasons ago and got Garrett Cole. But they make that step on their neck move a lot less frequently now. Um, you know, they Garrett Cole, Tanaka. I mean, it's been a while since they, uh, you know, signed the best hitter on the market. And maybe they're saving their money for Judge. You know, I, I expect him to sign an extension before the season. You know, I could be wrong. Who knows? I mean, there's only a couple of days left now, so. Um, but Yankees are trying to patchwork uh, their way through this, you know, quote unquote window. Um, and the window right. is closing quickly and they didn't address the rotation at all either. Um, right. They haven't, <laughs> like you just said, I mean, patchwork is a perfect way to say it because like I say, they're basically since the 2017 ALCS, it's like they're a boat that's popping up holes and taking on water. And rather than get a new fucking boat, they just keep patching up these holes. And, like, they go out and they get a shortstop. Okay, they patch up a hole. But by doing that, they create another hole because of their catching situation. And then they get Donaldson, who, yeah, he was a superstar five and six years ago, but he's also 36 now. He has missed 33% of the last four years. He's owed $48 million. Like, the, the moves they made are just puzzling. And they essentially based their entire offseason plan around two kids one who has never played above high A in Anthony Volpe, and the other in Oswald Peraza, who's played 87 games above high A. They have essentially given up on the present to worry about the future for two kids who may not ever actually be good. You, you can't, like, how many Anthony Volpe's and Oswald Peraza have there been in the history of baseball that either just flame out or never make it or they make it and they're not any good? You know, there's those are that's the norm. The norm is to not to be a prospect that doesn't make it. They, that's why they're called prospects. You know, not everybody is going to turn into Corey Seager or Carlos Correa, who they could have. They could have these 27-year-old stars on their team, but instead they're choosing the 21-year-old kids who have never played above low minor league baseball, essentially, Peraza at the end of last year, okay. And I and I wrote about this, Akeem to the City, this last four off-seasons, you know, they passed on Machado, they passed on Harper, now they passed on Correa, now they passed on Seager. These free agents... And, you know, becoming a free agent in their prime when they're 26, 27 year old, mm -hmm. that's not going to happen much in the future because everyone's getting locked up after a year or two when they're 21, 22, 23. The Yankees are missing their opportunity where their financial strength matters because if teams start doing what the Rays do with like Wander Franco, then the Yankees are fucked because their player development and evaluation is a disaster. So they're <laughs> not going to be able to compete once the free agent market isn't what it is. And for everyone waiting on Volpe and Preza, I pray multiple times a day that those two kids become superstars. But they're twenty. Like Volpe's going to be twenty-one this month. Peraza's going to be twenty-two this summer. 
when Correa was 21, he was already in the league. He already won Rookie of the Year. He already eliminated the Yankees from the playoffs. When Seager was 21, he was batting third for the Dodgers in the playoffs. When Harper was 21, he was in his third season in the majors. Right, he had already right. been a two-time All-Star. When, 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 <clears throat> and then Machado, when he was 21, he had already played three years, hit 51 doubles in his season, won the Gold Glove. Like these guys are 20, These guys are the age those guys were when they've already been in the league. They're not even close to being in the league. Like Peraza, best case scenario could maybe be on the Yankees sometime this summer if everything were to go perfectly. And if everything were to go perfectly, maybe Volpe's on the team next year. So they're not even close to being a, a helping factor on a team that you mentioned earlier who's who still has a window, maybe. The window's like this much open, but it's still there, and they're, they're not doing anything about it. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I would say maybe 10 years ago, no one really followed the farm system. You know, we knew Jesus Montero's name. We knew... Uh, you know, a couple other prospects names. I feel like a lot of fans are prospect hugging at this point. The reason you build a farm system is when the window's open, you go out and make a deal. You go get that difference maker. Sean I went to the Padres today for, I, I, I don't know what the A's gave up, but that would have been a huge, massive upgrade for the Yankees rotation. Hopefully they'll go after Frankie Montas or another starter. But right now our starting pitching is Garrett Cole and a bunch of injury prone guys with the exception of Jordan Montgomery, who's had one full season in his career. So, I mean, I, I yeah, the rotation is still an issue. he's not that far removed from his own Tommy John surgery. Right, so exactly. Like I mean, been, it's it's not good. And, and like you just said about Mania, like the Yankees at their October 19th press conference, Cashman talked about upgrading the team. He talked about how the team was unwatchable. That's a word he used. He yep. said they need to go out and add legitimate options. They didn't do any of that. They didn't upgrade the team necessarily. They didn't add legitimate options in the free agent market or the trade market. They sat out the whole pre-lockout frenzy. They've sat out the post-lockout frenzy. They sat out the A's fire sale. They could use Matt Chapman. They could use Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya, Matt Olson. All these guys, they all yep. went to other places. And now they have Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, who's pitched 23rd and two-thirds innings since 2018. Jordan Montgomery, who, like you said, has had one full season. He had his own Tommy John surgery a couple years ago. You have Jamison Tyon, who's pitched 36 games since 2018. You have Nestor Cortez, who before last season had a career 672 ERA and 669 fifth. You have Clark Schmidt, who's always hurt, and in his limited major league appearances, 12 and two-thirds innings, he put 31 base runners on. You have Luis Heal, who can't find the strike zone, nearly six walks per nine in both the minors and majors. And you have Davey Garcia, who <clears throat> took such a giant step backwards last year. In 90 and two-thirds AAA innings, he put 177 runners on. That's the Yankees' eight-man starting pitching depth. It's, a, it's, it's not good. It's not good. And, and hopefully, Davey Garcia, I mean, his, I mean, he had a lot of pedigree coming into last season. Um, you know, he had, had some innings in the majors, but now he's like the Yankees' 20th best prospect or something. He's fallen that far off. Um, I know evaluators did not like what they saw from him last year. His velocity was down. His curveball didn't have the same bite to it. He's looked a little bit better this spring. He's actually been hitting 95 pretty frequently. So um, we'll see, I mean, what he ends up being for the Yankees. But I don't want to – I know I know they have some moves they need to make, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the infield, and I want to bring up some numbers to you. So Luke Voigt played 68 games last year. Um, obviously, he was an injury problem. He's bad defensively. He had 111 WRC plus. He K'd 31% of the time, 30.7% K rate, about a 9% walk rate. Anthony Rizzo has played 140 games every single year since 2014, with the exception of the COVID year. 
Um, he had 112 WRC plus last season. So even when he came to the Yankees, it wasn't that good. He was about what Luke Voigt was. He's better defensively. I think he's a be- he could pick balls better uh, than Luke Voigt. He's a lefty, which we needed desperately. Only a 15% K rate last year, 9% walk rate. Um, his career walk rate's 11%. So I do think as much as I like Luke Voigt as a player, um, he was more of the same for this Yankee lineup. He was a righty. He K'd a lot. He had a lot of power, but he was very one-dimensional, really bad defender. Um, so I think that's an upgrade. I really do. And and I know everybody um, really wanted uh, Freddie Freeman. Obviously, he's one of the best players in baseball. Anthony Rizzo's five weeks younger than him. People keep forgetting that. Rizzo's not some old man. He's He, he still has a lot of good baseball left in him. And I think a full season with the Yankees being a little bit more comfortable, I expect him to be a lot better this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he – it would not surprise me if he hits 25 to 30 home runs and plays good defense for them. So – that's my first base argument. I want to hear Frank. Your are you on that. related to Anthony Rizzo? I feel like you're no. His agent I, I mean, here, maybe some him. maybe some distant cousin or something. But I, I do feel like first base <laughs> first base has been a problem for the Yankees for the last several years. I mean, we we've been kind of patchworking that area. Even in 2017, we had DJ LeMayu play first base in the playoffs a lot. So we've been kind of patchworking that area. So I, I, I do like Rizzo on this Rizzo on this team. I do like the fact that there's a lefty in the lineup that has more power than Brett Gardner, who was literally our only lefty in the lineup last year. That's a huge problem, Neil. I mean, the Yankees uh, Yankees at Yankee Stadium, they need lefty pop. They had no one in the lineup last year. So um, Here's here's my counter to that. Anthony Rizzo, okay, the Yankees didn't get Freddie Freeman. They didn't want to overpay to get him for, you know, you'd probably get three great years out of him and three not-so-great years. But, okay, but you're also, like you said, we, like I say, in the window now, you need a fucking guy like Freddie Freeman. Oh, right, you yeah. You want to trade for Matt Olson. So they end up with Anthony Rizzo, who... That was the big one to me. Anthony Rizzo was on this team last year. I, I feel like people <laughs> think this is an upgrade. He was fucking on the team right. that, made, that had a postseason last nine innings. So Anthony Rizzo comes over last year via trade. His first two games, they're playing against the Marlins. They squeak out two wins because the Marlins can't play defense. And he homers in both those games. So everybody's instant perception of Anthony Rizzo is like... This guy's a perfect Yankee. He looks great in pinch. He looks great in the uniform. He fits here. He fits on this team. Anthony Rizzo after that was a fucking disaster. He wasn't good. His 2021 season was his worst season in the majors oh, since his rookie year nine right, years yep. ago. So you selling him on me, the Anthony Rizzo stock is fucking plummeting. It's not going up like you think it is. It's going down. Well, here's- you, the Yankees now need – this is what I'm talking about in that they need a parlay now – they could have gotten Freeman, who's the best first baseman in baseball. They could have gotten Matt Olson, who's great. But in now they get Anthony Rizzo. They need Anthony Rizzo now to bounce back to who he used to be. They don't need Anthony Rizzo to be who he was last year. They need him to be better than that. So this is one of those things they need to have break their way rather than just banking on a sure thing like Freeman or Olsen. Now they need Rizzo to go back to who he used to be in 2019 and prior. That's, that's already two years removed. He's on the other side of 30. He's not like he's old. But he's also not young, and it's it's just a move like it's just the status quo with the Yankees. All they did was bring back the same guy as last year. No, I understand that, and I think I misspoke. I think he's a couple months older than Freddie Freeman, actually. Yeah, they're both about thirty-two and a half years old. So, um, but my point, Neil, is that I think he brings some durability to the lineup. I think yeah, that's fine. That- and he's a, he's I don't have a problem with it. He's a good player. Like granted, last year he's you know it's trending in the wrong direction for him, but. I have no problem with him. The whole thing is the the problem I have is that we were sold in that press conference from Cashman that this team would make upgrades with legitimate players, right. and bringing Anthony Rizzo back 
is bringing back another guy from that team last year that was a fucking underachieving, just colossal failure. Well, here's the last thing I'll say about the first base, because I want to get a chance to talk about the other positions, obviously. But I think I think you're upset because the delta between Freeman and Rizzo is pretty is a lot. Freddie Freeman's one of the best players in the league. Anthony Rizzo's probably not a top 10 first baseman in baseball. He is a middle of the road player. He has some lefty pop. But I do think that Anthony Rizzo at 140 games is going to be much better than Luke Voigt and whatever he would give you minus his injuries and then whatever patchwork defender they would put there, whether it's LeMayu or anybody else. I think that combination is not going to be as good as Rizzo by himself. And so I think it brings some stability and durability, and I think it brings a good lefty bat that the Yankees need. So I, I, I like I like the I like signing him for two years and kind of trading void for what we can get for him. I think that's going to be a good move for them. Um, yeah, and coming at it from your angle where it's like, okay, if it's Luke Voy or Anthony Rizzo, obviously I'm taking Rizzo. But but from my mm-hmm. end, it's it's Rizzo or Freeman or Olsen. And they right. went with the no, third worst that. of yeah. the options. I think, like, they, I think they should have tried harder for Olsen. It seems like the Braves traded for Olsen like that, and then they signed him to an eight-year extension, and you're like, man, you know, the Yankees could have done that. But they wanted to, you know, they, they're prospect hugging, man. They want to hold on to their guys, and I get it. Um but I mean, all those guys need to hit. Now you just right. now you're putting yourselves in a position where you know they, they've made the they've made the choice now where Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza or both of them they can't just be good players. They have to be like franchise players because they gave up the opportunity to sign franchise players. So now you know they, we can't have Anthony Volpe become Isaiah Kiner Falefa. He needs to be right. like Derek Jeter now. That like yeah. they've made that yeah, which luck, is kid. unfair expectation, but that's what they did. Yeah, good luck, kid. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> and the kid wasn't even a top 100 ranked prospect, you know, this time last year. And then he had an outstanding, incredible season. And now, you know, MLB ranks him like a top 10 prospect. So, And what if he doesn't have a good 2022? Right. And, like, I mean, <laughs> and I give the kid credit. I mean, like, he's definitely, you know, bursted on the scene and put his name out there. And people are expecting great things from him. So let's see what he does this year now. But, I mean, you're right. It's 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 silly for an organization that's worth $6 billion, according to Forbes, to rely on a 21-year-old kid who's never played above a ball where they could have just gone and signed somebody else that would have you know been an all-star but um let's talk like his about ceiling his ceiling i mean you would say if anthony volby turn becomes carlos correa or Corey seager that would be unbelievable yeah but it's like a the chances are he's right. not going to and you could already have and you could have signed one of them correct right correct and that, that's like a you know him him becoming an all a perennial all-star is like the you know Less than 5%, you know, scenario, probably. As good as he is. All prospects. I mean, look look at Jesus Montero. You know, he was a can't-miss prospect. Came up and hit two homers in that September game. You know, we traded him, and then he became, you know, had a terrible career and is out of baseball now. I mean, you never know. This is the ongoing thing, because if you go back to after 2018, they had a chance at Machado. They didn't sign him. They had a chance at Harper. They didn't sign Machado because they had Glaber Torres coming. They didn't sign Harper because they had Clint Frazier. Torres right. is basically playing himself out of the league. They released Frazier for nothing, and then they were like, well, we also have Stanton. We have Hicks, who they extended. We have Judge. Hicks is always hurt. Stanton, they don't let play the outfield. Judge, they still haven't extended. So, like, they always have an excuse for not doing something, but their excuse is, like, no one's calling them out on these things. Like, we need the money for Judge. We need this. You haven't even paid Judge yet. So, like, he could walk after the season. How do you know he's not going to become a free agent and the Mets are say, hey, we want to keep you in New York, here's X, and the Yankees probably won't pay it. If they're not going to pay some of these other guys, why would you pay 31-year-old Aaron Judge this huge deal if you're not going to pay 26-year-old Bryce Harper the money? 
Right. I mean, no, I totally agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, we were told, I remember specifically, we were told we were, we were going to sit out on Machado because Harper was going to be available. And it's, it's a merry-go-round every single time, you know, we're sending this guy out so we could do this. We're sending this guy out so we could pay judge. And, you know, hopefully they end up paying judge, but right. It's always that. It's like, even this, it's like, they didn't, they didn't trade for Bassett because Manaya and and Montas would be available. Now they don't get Manaya, but Montas is still available. It's like, they didn't sign Machado or Seager or Correa or Harper because one day they're going to sign Juan Soto. It's like, no, they're fucking not going to sign Juan Soto. Like, they're yeah. not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, it, well, first of all, if the Nationals ever let Juan Soto go, they're idiots because he's probably the best player in baseball right now. I mean, maybe right. you could probably say, you know, Mike Trout still has it, but Juan Soto was that good where they're one and two. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not even close for me. Well, the Yankees have their Mike Trout and Dominguez until he actually starts playing <laughs> right. games, and it's like he's not Mike Trout. <laughs> well, now he's put on, you know, Jason Dominguez has put on 30 pounds. He's a little bit slower than advertised. You know, he's striking out a ton. And now he's, you know, our fourth or third or fourth best prospect. And people were trying to tell me last year they don't want to trade him for, you know, an arm that could have helped us in the playoffs or another starter or something. It's like that's what these kids are for when they're that far away. You can't dream on an 18-year-old that hasn't played above rookie ball yet. I mean, you just can't do that. There's way too much variance there in their in their possible outcomes. Um, I feel like you you were very you were very like I mean I could be wrong, but I feel like you were pessimistic about the offseason. But then you changed. You got optimistic. Now you talk to me for like 10 minutes, and now you're like, shit, this team's not so good anymore. Well, I, so let's talk about let's talk about Glaber because I he Glaber is a huge. The Yankees are betting on him going forward. There's no doubt about it. You have a gold glove second baseman, DJ LeMay, you signed for the next five years. And they basically said he's not going to play second base. It's Good idea. Good call. Right. Well, here's here's what I am going to say. So last year, obviously, we know Glaber had a terrible year. Hit 259, uh, 331 on base, slugged 366. Um, baseball savant tells us that his expected slugging last year was actually 423. So based on quality of contact and where he hit the ball and how hard he hit the ball, he should have slugged about 60 points higher, which if that actually happens, his year starts to look a little bit better and maybe slightly above average as it stands. Uh, what he ended up with last year was a 94 WRC plus, which is terrible. Um, you know, if we got that out of IKF this year, I'd be ecstatic. So, um, and he put up a 1.7 more last year, which is not what you want from your, you know, 24 year old, 25 year old budding superstar that hit 38 home runs two years ago. Uh, he kind of took a step back last year, and it's been a steady decline since that All Star year. Um, so I, I really think the Yankees are just going to try and see what they have with Glaber this year. I really think he's going to bounce back. I think he's a terrific player. I think that um, him trying to get himself acclimated to shortstop last year really hurt his offensive game. Um, at least that's the optimism in me hoping. So um, I don't think that he just all of a sudden forgot how to hit the ball. I really don't think that. We saw somebody that can make two strike adjustments. We saw somebody that would jump on early zone fastball uh, fastballs in the zone and would hit home runs. We didn't really see that guy last year. We saw him swinging away, hacking, striking out more than he ever had in his career. I mean, I, I just I, I got to think that he's more of the 2019 version of himself than he was last year. But we'll see when the season gets started. Frank, Glaber Torres, he was a product of the Super Baseball of 2019. Oh, when no doubt. 38 home no runs. Doubt. When Brent Gardner's hitting 28 home runs, Kettle Marte's like Barry Bonds that right. season. No, I, I agree. Glaber Torres then comes to spring training 2.0 in 2020 out of shape, has a disastrous two months, is okay in the postseason. The Yankees decide, hey, he fucks up every routine play at short, but it's a shortened season. It's a small sample size. This isn't who he really is. So they they count on him for 2021 
to be their shortstop of the future. And because of that, they give LeMahieu six years and $90 million to be their second baseman of the future. Now, no. 143 games into 2021, they stop playing Torres at short. They move Urshela to short, which they earlier said earlier in the season they would never do that. They do it with three weeks left in the fucking season because of that Sunday night baseball disaster against the Mets. Now they go into this offseason where they can't play Torres at shortstop. Urshel is not an everyday shortstop. They owe LeMahieu five more years to play second. So now they're fucking forcing Glaber Torres into our fucking lives when he's not any good. He's not. He, he was good. He By the time this season starts, it will be two and a half years since he was last good at baseball. And so now you're going to move LeMahieu off his position where he's a gold glove winner. LeMahieu also had a bad last year. At least... He had a hernia and surgery that he can use as an excuse. What's Torres' excuse? That he was fucking sad he was playing shortstop so he couldn't <laughs> handle it? Like, it's not like when he bent back to second, he all of a sudden was an MVP candidate. You know, he was he was better, but he wasn't like, oh, this guy's fucking great. Like, Glaber Torres in no way should be getting at bats from DJ LeMahieu until DJ LeMahieu proves that, like, he can't play baseball anymore. Like, he, he was really bad last year, and he was still better than Torres last year. No, I, I, I do agree with that. I think that they want DJ to be the rover. I do think that you're going to, you know, obviously there's going to be injury problems in the infield with Donaldson, and who knows, you're going to get at IK, IKF. Perhaps he's going to spell Anthony Rizzo every once in a while. Maybe LeMay is going to learn how to play the outfield, and maybe he'll, stick, uh, maybe he'll play a day in left field every once in a while. Who knows? Um, I do think they liked him when he had that role in 2017 where he was kind of roving around. Um, we'll see, but I will last point on Glaber though. So quality of contact, ex Woba, 2018, 334, 2019, 334, 2020, 331, 2021, Brett Garden almost hit 30 home runs. I get that. I do think he's going to produce like 20 to 25 home runs. I do think he's going to hit 35 doubles. I do think that he's going to be a much better offensive player than he was last year, even if he just regresses to his career norms. And if he's not, I think the Yankees will probably trade him. Honestly, I, I don't think they're going to – I think this is his year. They're Because they have D.J. Domenu signed for the next several seasons, and he can still play a gold glove second base. If Glaber does not put up this year – he might be gone by the All Star break. I really do think that he should have been gone. He should have been on the. Th- he should have been gone after last year. I'm. I wasn't. I'm not even willing to give him this year. And now it's like I'm forced to be like, okay, hopefully Frank Trey, hopefully fucking Glaber turns it around because we have no choice. They're gonna play him every day to to see if he can turn it around. You just hate to sell low on somebody that you know was an All Star and is and has been a great player previously. Yeah. He showed it. He didn't show it last year, but you, you hate to sell low on a guy like that, and I think that's what the Yankees are thinking. Now, they did the same thing with Gary Sanchez over. They sold bottom of the barrel low on him, but, you know, they— You they, know Gary's going to fuck them when he plays you them. Know, know are you kidding me? Absolutely. But <laughs> it's just—I think they—you know, I love Gary Sanchez. I defended him. I, I was upset when they traded him. Uh, you can ask my wife. I was so sad. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> I think it was time. I, I really do think it was time. When you have 60% of your rotation last year saying, I don't want to throw to him. Garrett Cole didn't want to throw to him. Uh, yeah, uh, Jamison Tyon didn't want to throw, throw to him. Corey Kluber didn't want to throw to him. I mean, Garrett Cole should worry about beating the Red Sox and the Blue Jays I, I once totally in a while. Agree with you. I totally agree with you. But what are you going to do? Sign him to a ridiculous contract and then say, sorry, you got to you know have this guy catch you? I mean – Garrett Cole kind of calls the shots at this point. So I understand that. 
And here's – so I have some numbers for Gary, obviously. Last year, 204, 307 on base, 423 slugging. 27.5% K rate, 1.5 war. So Higgy is going to strike out about the same amount. Higgy strikes out a ton, but he still has power, and his defense is a whole lot better. So, But he can't throw anyone out. Fucking everyone's going to be running around the Yankees. Like, when they play the Rays, it's going to be a laugher again. Neil, what's the difference? They throw him out or Gary lets a pass ball go by and they take second base anyway. I mean, what's the difference? Because Gary, when you're fu- – this is, this just sums up the Yankees. Like, Aaron Boone, he doesn't trust Gary to fucking catch Cole and all these guys. But then come the seventh inning when the Yankees are down by a run and Higashioka's due up with two on, who fucking batted for Higashioka every single t- – like, how many games did Higashioka actually start and finish? Very few because they right. always need Gary to come in and save his ass. And, yeah, that's the difference. It's like, yeah, Gary – would swing at dumb fucking sliders away in the dirt, but every once in a while he'll plant a three-run home run to give you the lead in the eighth inning. Kyle Gashioka's not doing that. He's going to ground out well, fucking short when he puts the ball in You play. know, Neil, I don't know if you're aware who the Major League home run leader is this spring. Yeah, okay, that's Kyle great. Gashioka, hitting home runs off seven of home runs, and Frank baby. Marco in Clearwater in Tampa. That's right. They're going to they're gonna put a Hall of Fame plaque uh, in Tampa next to Greg Bird's plaque as well. So, <laughs> um, But, you know, anyway, we'll see. I mean, Higgy's 31. He's not some spring chicken. You know, he's been in the organization yeah, 10 years, 10-plus uh, years probably. So, We'll see. I mean, and then he's the know, longest tenured Yankee now. Right. Now exactly. Gardner's gone. Right. And, you know, who knows you're going to get with him playing every day. But I mean, maybe maybe he'll find some consistency playing every day. You never know. I mean, he's he's not going to put up Gary's offense, most likely. But I really think the Yankees said we'll punt this position as long as we can have somebody that can actually he, he is a pitch framing wizard. He can frame the ball. That's been well documented. He can uh, block the balls in the dirt. I think the Yankees just got tired of Gary's defense and said, Look, if we can get out of this contract or get out of this $8 million and then also bring over Josh Donaldson, who, even though he's older, he's an, he's an upgrade for uh, Gio Urshela. He's got a much better bat. Gio Urshela didn't hit at all last year. Josh Donaldson wouldn't surprise me if he hit 25 to 30 home runs this year. In fact, if he stays healthy, I'd be surprised if he doesn't hit that many home runs. Um, and yeah, his and defense Donaldson, is still decent. Yeah. Hey, I when Donaldson was on the Blue Jays, he was the most feared hitter to me in that lineup. The guy was great. He was a oh, yeah. fucking superstar. For he's sure. not, not that player anymore. He's still really good. And the the thing with him is health, which is Correct. the problem with a lot of these guys. Like basically, the entire rotation is a health question. You know, Glaber uh, Torres has had injuries the last few years. DJ LeMay, who's coming off a hernia surgery. Aaron Hicks never plays baseball. Aaron Judge and John Carlos Carlos Stanton, like, yeah, last year they were healthy. That's the first time since those two have been on the same team that they've been healthy. Like, so now Donaldson is just another health question mark on a team that hasn't stayed healthy for the last four seasons. So he, when he plays, yeah, I expect him to be great when he plays. It's not, it wouldn't surprise me if like next weekend against the Red Sox, like he, they're like, oh, Donaldson hurt his calf. He'll, he's out. He's shut down for eight weeks. Like that's. That could happen at any moment to him because it's happened in two of the last four years. I do think that the Yankees are, the Yankees have some good depth. So I think they could play Donaldson four or five days a week and then just stick stick DJ Mayhew over there. And that's the thing. I think they're going to try to manage his health a little bit better than with the Twins. The Twins stuck him out there every single day. Last year, he did play 135 games. So he was healthy yeah. most, for he, the most part I mean, last year. If he sign up for that right now, right. he might be. Right. And, and, and also, Gio Urshela never played 140 games in his career. Never. So he wasn't some, you know, guy that you could count on every single day. 
He was a great defender. Um, he hit uh, when he first came over in the trade. He hit the next year as well. But last year, he kind of regressed to his career averages. And he's – I mean, who are you afraid of more when you, when they come up to bat? Do Urshela or Josh yeah, Dawson? Yeah, I'm not mad. I'm not – I thought Urshela was the – I thought he was number one guy to go this offseason because right. they said they wanted to change players. He was the easiest guy to move on from. Like, there's no contract owed to him. He, You know, there was no, like – like a legacy behind him. So he was the easiest guy for them to move and they did so. It cost them also Sanchez, who I didn't want to see them move, but they, all right, they chose Aaron Boone over Gary Sanchez basically because Boone proved that he cannot coexist with him. They right. chose two kids that have never played above high A besides Peraza at the end of last year over real shortstops. Like they keep just choosing the, what seems like the wrong end of things. And Cashman talked about, they need a shortstop. Okay. They got their shortstop probably, you know, not the, the best option to get him, but they did. They, he said they could possibly need a center fielder, but they didn't get a fucking center fielder, Frank. Right. They're gonna bank, no. they're right. banking on Aaron Hicks. He's now gonna he's now thirty two. He was ne- he's never played a full season in ten years in the majors, and now you think at thirty two, coming off back to back years of a surgically repaired wrist and a surgically repaired elbow, he's now gonna suddenly start to play more baseball. He so before we move on to to Aaron Hicks in the outfield because I'm sure we'll have a nice conversation about that. Uh, Gio Urshela last year, 4.5% walk rate, 24.7% strikeout rate. That's terrible. He does not produce enough to strike out yeah, 25% of the time. I'm not a Gio Urshela guy. I'm I mean, fine with them moving so, on from uh, Josh They got Donaldson, better at third base. Right. Josh Donaldson, 13.6% walk rate, 21% K rate. So better in both of those categories and a ton more power. So yeah, I, I, on, the, on the surface, Urshela is not as good as Donaldson. Right. I know. I love Donaldson. But there's so many more elements to this. Like Correct, Donaldson's right. always hurt. Donaldson's older. They're willing to pay him 48 million, but not pay Correa 31. There are 35.1. They're <laughs> willing to pay Donaldson's age 36 and seven seasons, but they're not willing to pay Bryce Harper's age 36 and seven. Like there's so many things over the last four years. It's not just about like Donaldson's better than Urshela. There's so much more shit oh, yeah. that got us to this point. For sure. For sure. All right. And now we can talk about Aaron Hicks in the outfield because I know you can't wait to get to that. Um, I don't know what they're doing in center field, man. What, what, what are the Yankees going to do? I what are they going to do? They're going to play fucking Aaron Hicks? And now they're like, oh, well, they might play judge in center. Well, what Hicks are they really going like, to do? What, what are you doing? I, what are they really going to do? They're probably going to sign Brett Gardner like two weeks <laughs> into the season, and then he'll go to extended spring, and he'll come up in May because this is the Yankees. So last year they get the, the most unbelievable health from Judge and Stan. And then they're going to bank on that again. But now you're also going to bank on Hicks being healthy. And then the depth for that is Tim LaCastro coming off a torn ACL. So, like, they're just compiling the shit of injuries on top of more injuries. So where do you stand on – so let's just assume that – listen, we could talk about Aaron Hicks for days, obviously. When when the Yankees got him, I loved it. He was a great defensive player. He had speed. He had power. First-round pick, all that goes with it. Did you know he's also a scratch golfer? Yeah, it's all here. Right, right. Like to say that in every broadcast. Uh, so I liked it when, the, and he had that one great season with the Yankees, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Simple as that. Since they signed that extension, so what do you think they're gonna do in center? Do you are you a proponent of playing Gallo in center? Yeah, I'll play fucking anybody in center besides Aaron Hicks. Well, here's I'll the play th- anyone. Here's the thing. I'll play Gallo, Judge. Put Stanton out there. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I can't believe that we're doing Aaron Hicks thing again. They're do. They're really believing in this guy is going to play a full season. Like, what he, are you doing? I mean, we all know he's not, though, right? I mean, he's it's, not. It's, and listen, if he does, I'll be shocked. And hopefully, he's great. Everybody will be. And, I mean, yeah, you never know. But it's just, it's not. You know, 
this this industry is about you're trying to project what's going to happen, not what you're hoping to happen. So you have to have some kind of backup plan here. And I, and La Castro isn't a good enough backup plan. So like the backup plan has been Brett Gardner, and now they moved on from him, and now the backup plan is actually worse than Brett Gardner. Right. So I think they're going to play Judge a lot in center field this year. Not maybe not a lot. He'll probably play twenty games in center field. That'll I, go well for his health. Well, I think they're going to play. Well, here's the thing, Neil. They do they do have the depth. So if they play him in center field, they could arrest him the next day, or maybe they only play him six days a week. Or you know, they do have depth here. Um, We're already worried about load management. They haven't even fucking played a game a, yet. Yeah, it's they're April in the 3rd. best division in baseball. <laughs> they're in the best division in baseball, and we and they can't even play their regular guys every day because of fear of getting hurt. Well, you know, Aaron Boone's gonna. I mean, God forbid they play a game on turf in April. You know, Judge is sitting the third day. I mean, you <laughs> it's know, so it's, bad. It's, it's so hey, bad. To, listen. We could talk about Aaron Boone's terrible managing for years, but for I will for say the this: the rest of our lives, we I will. Talk about I it. will say this: those guys stayed healthy last year, Judge and Stanton, and he, I don't know if that's his load management plan or the no, front office. Nothing or, to you do know. with Aaron Boone did. Right, Aaron Boone also managed them the three years prior, and they sure. didn't stay healthy. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I'm still shocked they extended Aaron Boone, but I don't even want to waste time talking about that, Neil. To be honest <laughs> with you, so. um well, to sum this up, though, they need ready. So they need, you know, Gary Cole. Okay, he's a, he's as good as a sure thing as you can have in baseball. Okay, you need Luis Severino to pitch a full season, which he hasn't done in what will be four years. Okay, since 2018, and that's a long time in baseball terms. So you need so you need Severino to pitch to stay healthy. You need Jamison Tyone to stay healthy, who's never been healthy. You need Nestor Cortez, who has had one good season to his name in his career, to prove that that wasn't just a fluky anomaly. You need him to be great again because he's gonna be he's gonna be in the rotation. Okay, then that's your five. So Montgomery, okay, you can say he'll be solid middle of the rotation guy. Cole will be a given. You need three of your five starters to either stay healthy or prove last season wasn't a fluke. Then you need Higashioka. And Rorvet or Trevino to not be the worst catching tandem in baseball. Okay? Rizzo is mostly healthy. LeMahieu, you need him to bounce back from the worst season of his career and his hernia problem. You need Torres to bounce back and save his career. Mm-hmm. You need Kiner Falefa to hopefully have learned how to hit somewhat in the offseason. You need Donaldson to stay healthy. You need Judge and Stanton to stay healthy. You need Hicks to stay healthy. And you need Gallo to just, like, not be fucking the worst hitter of all time for, you know, like he was as a Yankee. That is so many things. That's a lot that of parlays. To happen. That's a lot they, of parlays, they to, Neil. They need all this shit to hit or they're not going to be any good. That's a lot of parlays, man. Uh, like, what's so, the givens? What are the givens in that? Garrett Cole? And, right. and Jordan Montgomery is like the second most count on thing, and Anthony Rizzo. That's that's not good, Frank. So Garrett Cole, this is projections this season uh, via Fangraphs. Garrett Cole, 5.7 war. Jordan Montgomery, 2.7 war. I buy both of those. Jamison Tyon, 2 war. Luis Severino, 2.4 war. I'd be shocked if you get that much out of Luis Severino. I'd love that. I just don't know where his health is going to be. Last, uh, last week he had a start, and was it was abysmal. Uh, he right. started a couple and days then, ago. His arm hurt. Every, well, right. Then his arm hurts. And then yesterday he started and struck everybody out. So I don't, or maybe it was two days ago, but I don't, you know, we have no idea what's, what we're going to get right. him this year. And I if love you, Luis Severino. He's yeah. probably, probably my favorite Yankee at this moment. But like you said, 
Who the fuck knows? The guy's pitched 23 innings in yeah. four years. I mean, if I set the under, if the if I set the over under at 120 innings from him this year, I, I mean, are you taking the over? I don't really know. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I have no idea. So yeah. So like, this is what I'm saying about this team. Like, you you know, when we text or we talk, and and you're saying like, hey, you know, this team is better. You know, what you're writing, I keep the city. What you're saying, they are better than you think they are. But then when you lay it out like this, and they need all of these things to go their way. It's not good. Right. No, I mean... I, like, what do the Blue Jays need to go their way? Very little. The Blue Jays are fucking stacked. They've got stacked. A five good starters. They've got an unbelievable lineup. Like, the, the their one flaw is like, okay, they can maybe use a better bullpen. Getting relievers during the season is the easiest thing you could achieve. Like, getting relievers at the deadline is very easy. I, and then I, their I, other problem is they're really right-handed heavy. Okay, that's their biggest. The, <laughs> the biggest okay problem is they have right handed. It's okay if Vlad's hitting fifty home runs a season. Oh, they're right handed heavy. I'd love to be right handed heavy if that was the case. Right. Yeah. That, like <laughs> we were, the Yankees are right handed heavy, and half their fucking lineup sucked. Right. So I do think, and I wish the Yankees would get away from this, but I think what they're trying to do is, obviously, in baseball, people are looking at total pitching staffs now. It's not just starters, and then you know you have your couple of relievers. The Yankees again uh, have a really high, highly rated bullpen. Um, yeah, that's, that's their, always their thing. But, like, right. if if you don't have the guys to fucking have a lead, you can't get out of the fifth inning. Ball, who cares? Right. If you can't get somebody out of the fourth or fifth inning in a, you know, in a playoff game, it doesn't really matter if you have six guys that you could throw in the back of your bullpen. Right. Um, and last year, last year, Boone used Chad Green, like, multiple innings, like, five times in the first month. And then by the, like, come July, the guy was giving up a was, go-ahead home run the eighth inning every night. Chad Green got burned so burned out so early in the season last year and i hope that boone is kind of going to use him a little more sparingly this year with clay holmes now that we have so hopefully we have we have two a plus guys in, in middle relief now um it's not just chad green by himself so I, I don't i don't put all those losses on him he had a new his his arm just was just shot you know this is tanyan sturch you know circa 2005 you know he was just he was done <laughs> Um, Scott Proctor, if you will, you know, that, that era where Joe Torre, yeah. you know, ruined all those guys arms. So, um, I do, I did cro- come across this little anecdote that I think you think is pretty funny. Nestor Cortez, uh, four years in his career, uh, 2018, minus three, minus 0.3 war, 2019, minus 0.3 war, 2020, minus 0.6 war last year, plus 1.7 war. So yeah, he was great. He was great for ninety. Maybe he innings, actually I mean, did figure it out and maybe he'll be really good moving forward. But like, you're you're hoping that's the case. You're hoping that maybe last year he was just like had this magical year, which happens. The Yankees get guys like this all the time that have shit like that yep. where they have one magical year. You don't know that that's not the case and that he's not going to – which I'm hoping that Nestor Cortez is the guy we saw last year. Me that too. That would be great. Because it was fun to but watch. But the other problem is he, he only goes like fucking four innings to start. Right. So you're burning – every time he pitches – Someone is going to have to piggyback him, right. or you're just going to use every real arm in the bullpen. And I think that's – I think you kind of touched on the reason why the Yankees have announced that I think they said Luis Severino was going to start game two of the season, right? Uh, I think the reason they're doing that is because they know they're not going to get, you know, six-plus innings out of him right away. And because I was saying to myself, why would you not start – Jordan Montgomery is our clear number two starter right now. Um, you know, yeah, I know. I saw the face you just made. I get it, man. Listen, but I mean, he's he was really good last year, and I think he has less health questions and less production questions than anybody else. But they're yeah. not slotting him in at number two because they expect him to be able to give you some length. So and they're kind of does, or he'll right. shit the bed too. But like, do you fucking trust Jordan Montgomery fucking looping in curveballs to the Blue Jays? Like, I don't find like 
and, and I know that it's spring training and a couple of weeks ago he got destroyed by them, but like that's that's what the Blue Jays are gonna do to Jordan Montgomery. Like he has, you know, doesn't have velocity, he has great breaking no. pitches, but like they're gonna put nine right-handed guys in the fucking lineup and they're gonna be teeing off on him. He is what he is. He's a three point last year, three point six nine fit, three point three war. He is what he is. He's yeah, a number good. three he's, he's a, a number pitcher. three starter. He's a number three starter. Yeah, but you're like you just said he's kind of the Yankees too. And and great oh, when yeah, Severino's he when Severino's healthy and right, he's a real number one. But yeah. like he hasn't been that in, in going on four years and i don't know why the I, I don't know they're really rolling the dice here by not trading for a starter they should have yeah. been hard after they, signed, they, they should have been even like they could have signed obviously Scherzer, Rodon, they didn't want to give the money to and now he's hurt but like yeah carlos rodan like john gray these are guys who you know would have helped them their, their right. depth is not good either like clark schmidt davy garcia and and luis heel yeah maybe one of them will work out but between injury questions and control questions and taking a step backward questions like they don't have depth either no they don't and Domingo Herman is hurt uh so you're not yeah, gonna get bad yeah he's, he's, he's <laughs> a fucking star you're not gonna get your three months of great usually he has a great you know two three months to start out the season then he just fades and is terrible but you're gonna miss those innings in April and May this year probably so I'm looking at their starting pitcher depth chart uh Cole Montgomery Tyon Severino Cortez Herman hurt then you have Luis Hill, Michael King, Davey Garcia, Clark Schmidt. Um, that's not good. Uh, Luis Hill no. came up and was fantastic for a couple of starts last year, but he still walks five guys per nine innings. You you know you don't really know what you have out of him. Uh, Michael King is about as hit, hit or miss as a reliever slash starter as you can get. Some days he'll throw six shutout innings in relief like he did last year, and some days he will be terrible. So. And we already talked about Davey Garcia. You know, he's throwing hard. They should have just kept Nick Nelson. They should have just bought Oh, man. <laughs> God. Hey, who cares? Him and Brooks Krisky. Let him pitch extra innings at Fenway. Jesus Christ, bro. That game was an atrocity. <laughs> he- so, Frank, for someone who was like, you know, when you're telling me, hey, this te- like, I feel like you've changed your mind in this last 44 minutes here. Well, I feel like you're yeah. not so high anymore. Uh, it's hard to get on the phone with you, Neil, and try to go against the grain on everything you say because I know you're concerned, but. I do like the infield situation better than last year. Uh, they have a question in center field. There's no doubt about that. Um, their rotation is- has a lot of hit or miss in it. Uh, their relief pitching is going to be fantastic as always. We'll see. I think their defense is much improved. Um, I, I really – I'm excited about the lineup changes. I'm excited for more contact. I'm excited for much better defense. I am concerned about the starting pitching. Um, and I'm concerned about our center field and shortstop situation, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, the, not the a big old, deal. The old baseball adage is important. You build championship teams up the middle. Yeah, you're you're concerned about the entire fucking middle. The I'm shortstop, concerned about center catching fielder. the shortstop, second base, and center field. What's the big yeah, deal? No big and deal. the starters, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> so, but aside from that, like this is a really good team. Right. I mean, I, there's a there's you know, I'm an engineer, so we like to plan for worst case scenario. There is a lot of boomer bust potential with this team. I could easily see them finishing in fourth. I could easily see them fi- – well, maybe not easily, but I could see them winning the division. Uh, you got to look really hard to you see do. them and everything has winning to go, the division. Everything has to go right for them, but I think I've laid out some reasons why you you might expect a bounce back from Glaber, why our catching situation is going to be better than it was last year, why Do- Josh Donaldson still has some left in the tank, why Anthony Rizzo is going to be better in the full season than Luke Voigt and subs. Um, but we'll see. I'm optimistic. How long, how long do you wait until you – 
have an evaluation of this team? Are you like, are you an, are you a end of the first month? Are you a Memorial no, Day guy, All Star break guy? I, I think you know around June. Um, I, I don't. April. How many times have we seen teams, you know, go eleven and nineteen in April or something, and then you know turn it around and finish thirty games above above five hundred? It happens all the time. It used to happen to the Yankees every season. Um, you know, before CC got hot and never lost a start, or before A Rod, you know, got hot and started hitting home runs every year, or you know, um, or every month. Um, I, I really don't think you can make an evaluation until June or maybe around the All Star break even. Um, See, like last year, I was evaluating this team fucking opening day when they bring in Nick Nelson in extra innings and Aaron Hicks. Remember that strikeout he had? Yeah. Glaber Torres and John Carla. And that day, we all should have fucking turned off yes and not turned it back on again because that that game summed up the 2021 in one fucking day on April 1st. You could have never watched another game last season and you would have saved yourself hundreds of hours of and time then, and, and do a whole nother thing with your life than wasted watching this game. and then the old you know godfather three adage once you know once i thought it was out they pull me back in what did they what did they win like 12 games in a row i don't even remember what yeah, the number 13 was. games and they, yeah and 13 you, games in a row but it was like they were winning it against the marlins who were botch throwing misplaying right. balls in the ninth inning like they weren't convincing wins right and then and then they lost like 12 out of 14 right, right after i was that. gonna say they, then they then they were playing like slop baseball after that so uh but so what's knows, your man. what is your feel for this team? I mean, this is it. This this week, you know, three days from now, we'll be, there'll be baseball. I mean, it's supposed to like pour here on uh, Thursday. So I, think, I mean, this game's probably getting played on Friday, but it's supposed to rain on Friday. Oh, that's too, fantastic! Because so I'm out of town, now. I won't be able to see the game Thursday anyway. So I'm that yeah, makes Thursday's me happy. Thursday's 90 percent chance of rain on Thursday and a thirty percent on Friday. Uh, nothing so not would make good, me happy. Not good week. Okay. Uh, so this what's is your feel? A, this is this a ninety. You know, I think it's a 94 win team. It's a 94. It's a 94 win team, I think. Because uh, I think is that is that first place in the East? Is that a buy into uh, the ALDS? Man. Are we going to be playing? Well, a, I, are they going to be playing a best of three and getting eliminated? I mean, 20, 28 teams make the playoffs now, so I think they'll make the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, uh, what is it? Tw- is it twelve now? I don't even remember. They added one each. Right. Top two division winners get the buy. So, like, are they right. going to be playing a best of three, and we're going to be dealing with that? I. I are they a division winner? No. They're not, probably. I mean, on paper, they're not the best team in the East. The Red Sox uh, no. are not going to the fucking playoffs. Again, you can take that to the bank. But the Rays and the Blue Jays, how are you going to say the Yankees are better than those two teams right now? Here's the thing, man. So, you know I'm a stats guy. You know I'm, I'm you know, fan graphs on my homepage. They have the Yankees projected for the highest war in baseball right now. I know. 53 war, above the Dodgers. Uh, they have Blue Jays at 47.2 war. Um, now you want to check the calculations on that right, formula, right? right? And then you go to, but then you go to projected standings, and they actually have the Yankees finishing with 92 wins. They have, I'm sorry, hang on. They have the Yankees finishing with 90 wins, and the Blue Jays at 92 wins. So I think that's a little conservative. I think I think the Yankees will win around 92 to 94 games. I think 94 is is where I'm at. Um, the Blue Jays, we'll see. I mean, they're projected for 92. I think they have less questions than the Yankees do right now. Um, but I really think, you know, they have Kyle Higashioka, uh, Kyle Higashioka projected for 1.2 war. I think he could do a lot better than that, especially if he hits like this, like he's been hitting in spring training. Obviously, that's that's not a given or anything, but um, a lot of these projections are very conservative. Uh, Glaber Torres, 2.6 war. Uh, IKF, 1.6 war. I think, you know, he can do that with a glove. Um, so uh, we'll see, Neil. I'm optimistic. I don't know if they win a division, but I think they'll make the playoffs. 
All right, so over-unders at 91.5, so you got them at 94. I have uh, the over on that, yeah, for sure. Right. They have the same odds. They have the top odds in the American League to win the AL pennant, tied with the Blue Jays at 9-1. to So, yeah, I mean, projections, odds makers, they fucking like the Yankees. I mean, the Blue Jays are not a perfect team. They, they, no, they're not they a perfect have, team. But they've gotten better, but, I mean... They they still have questions in the left Blue field and second the base. Right were, field. They, they're where the Yankees were five years ago when Correct. they had this young, inexpensive core, and they've gone out and actually spent money to support Added to the young, young inexpensive core. And they went out. The Yankees and- took their young, inexpensive core and fucking kept it that way until they became old and declining and inexpensive. And now they're expensive, and they didn't add shit to it. Correct. They they went. The Blue Jays had their young core, and they in the last you know year and a half they've added. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, Jose Barrios, uh, they signed Ryu, they, they signed Kikuchi, they, they traded for Matt Chapman, they, they, they signed Simeon one year. Yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've done a lot to supplement their talent. And I, I think it's, it's unfair to say the Yankees haven't done that, but we have not really seen, like I said earlier, that step on the neck move that they needed to make to kind of put them over the top. They, they should have went out and traded for a starter. Frankie Montas is still available, and Brian Cashman should be calling the A's every single day until they – say we will accept an offer that does not include Anthony Volpe because I, I think they need help on the rotation that badly. Yeah. And, and I mean, just the thing about trades in the past, I know in 17 when they got Frazier and Canely um, and they had to give up their number one prospect, number one pick in Blake Rutherford, he just got DFA. Exactly. So it's like, that's, that's what you hold on to is these first round picks that don't become anything. So uh, a person I follow on Twitter, and he, he's on MLB Radio, Casey Stern. You know, he has a he has a great saying: yeah. "Prospects are cool, parades are cooler." And I think right. the Yankees need to listen to that every once in a while because you know it's great to stack all these prospects. It's great to dream on them. Everybody loves a homegrown star, but what are you trying to do? What's the end right. game? And, What's your goal? Who is, like who have they developed? Like you know, when you when you look at everything, okay, Judge, he's a star. You know, he's great. You know, Stanton wasn't their guy. Gallo wasn't their guy. Hicks wasn't their guy. Torres has fallen off a cliff. LeMayhew wasn't their guy. Rizzo wasn't their guy. Donaldson, Kiner, Falefa. Sanchez, they gave up on. Frazier, they cut for nothing. Wade, they got rid of to the Angels. Like, who are they developing? So, like, why should I believe that Volpe and Peraza are going to be these stars? The Yankees don't fucking develop stars. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I I get it. You can say that. and But every, you know, they're all individual players. You know, Volpe could just be a special talent. Peraza could be a special talent. You never know. But what do the statistics tell you? The statistics tell you that these guys are probably not going to be perennial all-stars. They're not going to be Derek Jeter's, you know. So I do think that the Yankees need to seriously consider looking at trading. They have a pretty good um, prospect uh, depth. They have pretty good prospect depth right now. I I forget where the organization is ranked um, in terms of prospects. But they, they do have moves that they can make. The problem is that every team is asking for those top three guys, and they don't want to give them up. But um, we'll see if they hold to that. All right, Frank. Well, always great talking to you. Yankees 94 wins. We're, I mean, we're going to be, I'm going to be checking in with you a lot that's, during the season. That's so great. You'll be, you'll be on here a lot. Right. So you better fucking hope things go the way you just told me they will because we don't, we got the receipts here on, on these, uh, the, the Glaber Torres turnaround and, uh, you know, Kiner Falefa becoming some great player at Troy. So I hope you're right. I pray you're right. I don't want a wasted summer. I don't want a one day postseason. I want fucking. Yankees baseball the way it used to be. I want it. Me too. I want to have fun this summer. I want to win a lot of games, and we'll see if they're if they're under five hundred at the end of April. Don't uh, don't blame me. Don't uh, just uh, (laughs) give it give it give it a little bit. Wait for everybody to mesh together and see if they can turn it around. So, 
All right, Frank, thanks for coming thanks, on. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to Frank for taking the time to come on and talk. Like I said with, to him, we'll check in with him throughout the season and see how his projections hold up. But, hey, I hope he's right. I hope the Yankees are a 94-win team. I hope everything that he thinks that didn't go right last year will go right this year for them. It's just hard to think that so many things could go right in one season, especially since so many things have gone wrong for this team in recent seasons. But that'll do it for today. Be back later this week with Yankees Over-Unders, the annual Yankees Over-Under podcast, and then it's opening day. So that'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later this week.